to serve him and live for him. You know, uh, Leslie was in the hospital. Court had surgery uh, this week, and uh, she thankfully got to come home Friday. Court before uh, they let us go home, the doctor had to come in and you know, listen and do all those things, and then uh, he had to go out and write orders. You know, and then a little while later, a uh, nurse came in and she had all kinds of papers. I think five or six uh, pages of instructions that told Leslie what she's not going to listen to and do. Uh, but uh, they told her anyhow. Uh, yeah, she better do it. And so if you all help me, we'll make sure together that she does what she's supposed to. But gave her all this list of instructions. You know what? Instructions are important uh, because uh, none of us in here, you know, we've got a nurse or two in here, uh, no doctors, uh, medical doctors, uh, and so uh, probably most of us, we uh, weren't told what to do to take care of ourselves. We, we would know some things, like when we hurt, take some pain medicine, and if something hurts when we do it, don't do it. Uh, we're smart enough to figure that out most of the time, uh, but there's some other things, you know, that were on that several pages long list uh, that told us what to do. And sometimes I think in our Christian life, uh, we wonder, what are we supposed to do? And so that's the question we're asking today. I invite you to take your Bible and turn to the Gospel of Matthew. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter uh, number 9, beginning in verse uh, 35. And uh, asking uh, this question. And so let's take a look to see what uh, Gospel. Matthew has to say. He says, And then when Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the king, kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now, the name of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Labius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon, uh, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. I think, you know, some, some important things that we find uh, in this passage of Scripture, they think, you know, we're tempted and a lot of times we'll read, especially uh, verse 36, uh, at, when we talk about missions, and it is a, a valid mission text, but can I tell you that it's a valid everyday Christian text too? And that's what I want to see is that it's not just talking about missionaries, but talking about all of us. Jesus said these things to his disciples um, 
Those were people, not just the 12 that are mentioned. And by the way, this is the only time Matthew lists them. Uh, you may find it interesting. Matthew lists himself toward the end of the list. Uh, I think that shows Matthew's humility. Uh, and um, But anyway, but Jesus was talking broadly to those that were following after him and, and those that had trusted him, those that... Uh, you know, had been affected by him, given their life to him, and, and said, we're going to f- follow you. And I think we know it because Matthew took time and said in verse 1 of chapter 10, after this, he called together his, the 12 apostles. Uh, and so uh, this isn't just a, a preacher text, not just a missionary text, but it's something that every Christian needs to pay attention to. Now, at the onset, because I've asked this question, what are we to do? We need to understand one thing, and that is that salvation is by grace through faith. There is nothing that you or I can do to earn or deserve salvation. There's nothing. But because God loves us so much, he paid the sin debt that you and I owed and the sin debt that all the world owed, he paid it once and for all, on the cross of Calvary. But friends, we need to understand that yes, great uh, salvation is by faith, but once we're saved, there's some actions that follow through on it. James said it this way. He said, you show me your, your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my work. What James was saying was, if you don't have works to back up your faith, your faith wasn't genuine and authentic to start with. And I think Jesus is telling us the same thing here. So Jesus had taught, he, we talked about all kinds of miracles uh, that he had done from healing sickness and raising people from the dead and curing them of uh, blindness and deafness and lameness and all, you know, all these things that Jesus had done. Uh, and so keep that in the back of your and then he says to them some things, and he, asks, he answers the question that they were asking and that we're asking today, what should we do? And I think he tells us that we're supposed to do three things. And the first is this, that God's people must pray. And I tell you that probably the most underutilized tool the Christian has available to them is prayer. So often we treat prayer as a last resort when it should be our first instinct. Prayer is a whole lot more effective when it is our first instinct. And we see that things work out a lot better when we pray about something first. And if we prayed about something first, we probably wouldn't make a lot of the mistakes we make because the Lord would direct it. He'd answer us and say, no, don't go that way, dummy. Uh, Go the way I told you to start with. God does speak through prayer. And so, uh, Jesus looked about this crowd, this, not only those that had followed after him and had committed to, to living for him, but the crowds that had come just to, to hear and to, to see what was going on. And he sees these throngs of people. And Matthew says, the Lord was moved with compassion. And we need to understand that it wasn't just a, oh, that's nice kind of a platitude. It it means that there's something that dwelled up inside of Jesus from the very innermost part of his being that was absolutely moved and, by the way, moved him to action. 
And so he said to those that were following, he said, you know what, the harvest truly is plentiful. Pray that the Lord would send forth laborers into his harvest. So often we say, well, yeah, this problem, it's not a big problem. I can solve it myself. And we go through life in our own strength, in our own power. And sometimes we do okay. But we would do a whole lot better if we sought the Lord and invited him to join us. And we worked through his power. Remember, Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Jesus reminds us in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, he said to his disciples, Without me, you can do nothing good. And so we certainly need the Lord in our life, and we need his direction, and we need his power. And one of the great tools that we have, and I'm thankful that the Lord just doesn't leave us to ourselves, but he's active in our life. He's given us the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that if... You're saved. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've trusted in him that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And that Holy Spirit guides us and helps us to understand God's truth. And the Bible even says he prays for us when we don't know how to pray. He, he gives us the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and direct us. He gives us the church to help us. He gives us Christian brothers and sisters to help us. But I wonder if our prayer, and I'm thinking that Jesus didn't intend say, well, say a quick 30-second prayer and go on your day. When Jesus said pray to the Lord of the harvest, remember that something had dwelled up inside, it had gotten into the very most inner part of his being. And can I tell you that when we pray about something, that's what happens. I tell you, God knows what we have need of before we even ask, the Scripture says. He knows everything, the good and the bad and the ugly, if you will. The purpose of prayer is not to let God know what we need. The purpose of prayer is to remind us of our dependence upon God, to work and guide and direct our life. And so we ought to be spending some significant amount of time. And you know, sometimes I think maybe we would like to be kind of legalistic and say, well, what's the standard, preacher? How much praying do I have to do? And the reason we think that is we say, well, if I tell you 10 minutes, we say, well, I'll give you 10 minutes. And it becomes a burden. It's something that we, well, I've spent my 10 minutes in prayer. So, I'm, But you know what? The apostle said, Paul said that we are to pray for an hour a day. Now, that ain't what he said. He said we are to pray without ceasing. Now, and I tell you what Paul, what the word that he meant in Greek means? It means not ceasing. It means not quitting. In other words, all the time. Well, I don't think Paul meant that we're supposed to quit our jobs and move into a monastery and, you know, pray 24 hours a day. But I do think what he was saying is that prayer ought to be such an integral part of our life that it's our first reaction. And, and when something happens or the Holy Spirit tells us, hey, listen, you need to pray for this individual, or somebody tells you, with their, you know, I need you to pray about that, that we stop and we do it right then. 
And that, that's our first instinct. When a problem comes, we, we don't fuss and turn and toss about it, but we bring it to the Lord. That's how the Lord wants us to live for Him and with Him. So prayer is a great power source that helps us as God's children to be able to, to do what God intends for us to do. And so can I assure you of one thing, that if you are not developing your prayer life as a Christian, you are not doing what God wants you to do. It is most often through prayer that the Holy Spirit would impress upon you direction. He does it through circumstances and things like that too. And it's hard, unless you've heard the Holy Spirit prompt and direct, it's hard to explain it. You just have to, it's just one of those things you just have to experience, but you know it when it happens. And it's usually in those still, quiet times of prayer that God will direct you. But can I tell you, if we're not spending time in prayer, or if the only prayers we're praying are, Lord, bless this food, we're not giving time for God to speak to us. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't pray for your food. You should. But I'm saying if that's the only time you pray during the day, you're in more trouble than you realize. So there's not a certain amount of time that we have to pray, but we should really be living a life of prayer. That we should be so connected to God that we have that direct line of of communication all the time. But then I want you to notice something else. God, I think we find in these verses that we read that God's people must preach. Notice what Jesus was doing. He went into all the cities, all the villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. He was preaching. And, and by the way, we say, well, we've got a preacher. It's his job to preach. And it is. But can I tell you that it's all of our jobs to share the gospel? All of us have that responsibility to be preaching the gospel. And the gospel simply is the good news. That's what gospel means. And you don't have to have this theological degree. You don't have to have all the answers of life figured out before you can Preach the gospel. All you need to know is God's done something for you. And I tell you that if you know that God's done something for you in your life, then you've got something to preach about. Some of you ladies are real good at preaching. I hear you do it. But what we need to preach about is the gospel. Notice that Jesus wasn't saying, he wasn't going saying to people, listen, I'm the Messiah. He never, you know, outrightly proclaimed that for a long time in his early ministry. He eventually, you know, kind of developed it and revealed it more and more as the time went along. But he didn't, because he didn't come to make much of himself, he came to make much of the Father. In fact, even as a young teenage boy, Jesus knew that that's what he was to be about. And he never looked at them and said, look at me, look at me, look what I can do. I can heal people and raise people from the dead. He could. He was God. But he was more concerned that people 
would not just be attracted to him for what he did, but that they would find what they needed. And what they needed more than anything else was salvation. And can I tell you, that is still the greatest need that any human being has, even in 2017. Oftentimes we talked about a few weeks ago, people think their problems are different or that what they need is different than that. But the greatest need that anyone has is a relationship with God Almighty. And the only way a person can have that is through knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But guess what? This world does everything it can to get people from hearing about Jesus. It's been politically incorrect to even mention the name of Jesus in public situations for a long time, and it's getting to be more and more so. Because the name of Jesus, more than any other name in history, has more power than any other name in history. It's only the name of Jesus that can make people whole. It's only the Jesus that can bring healing and restoration and raising from the That can only happen through God's power. It can't happen through man's power. Book of Acts asks this question, how will the people hear unless someone tells them? I wish it was that People would know our church is here at 6165 Billings Road. And they know we meet at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. They know the doors are going to be unlocked during those hours and that they just came flooding in. I wish that would happen that way. But guess what? It doesn't happen that way. Most people are going about their life unconcerned about things of God. They're even unaware or ignorant of their need for God. And it's up to me and you to let them know of their need for God and how they can fulfill that need. What is that? It's preaching. Preaching is certainly a necessary thing in the church. And it's a necessary thing for the church to be doing. You know, preaching is not telling a good story. It's not cracking jokes. It's not about talking about the ball game. We do those things pretty easily. But it's sharing the most important message. Not only in the way we live our life, but in the words that we say. Yes, we should walk the talk. And if we don't walk the talk... People aren't going to listen to the talk. But we have to do both, by the way. We preach by the way that we live our life, and we preach by the words that we speak. And the word that we preach is not ours. And by the way, it's not Calvary Free Will Baptist. We don't want to lift our church up, although I think we have a great church. I think everybody in Columbus ought to come to our church. Uh, well, maybe most everybody. There's some that, well, anyway, I won't go there. We don't want to lift our church up. We don't, don't lift your pastor up. Don't lift yourself up. We want to lift the Lord up. Because more important that people find Jesus than it is find 6165 Billings Road. And so we don't preach Calvary. We don't preach Brother Aaron. 
We preach Jesus and him crucified and risen again. Because that's the only thing that can make people whole. Can the church have a hand in that? Absolutely we can and we should. But it's not our power that does it. It's the Jesus that we know's power that does it. But then lastly, God's people must not only must we pray. We must pray for one, but we must pray that the Lord would send for listen, folks. There are two hundred and fifty thousand people that live in Columbus. I mentioned yesterday at the association meeting, Brother Ricky mentioned the report that he had seen from the Southern Baptist Association here in Columbus that on any Sunday in Columbus there are less than 30,000 people in the churches in our community. That's just about, for the sake of math, 10%. And I tell you, that means that there are more than enough lost people for every single church in Columbus to reach some and still probably have leftovers. So he can't say, well, there's, and there are a lot, there's lots of churches in Columbus. But the harvest truly is plentiful, even in our city. And how much more? Those communities, and there are places, even in our own nation, where there are no Bible believing churches in the community and for, for miles and miles. Now, there may be some. Some churches that don't preach the gospel. And they certainly aren't seeing people saved. Because the only thing that's saved, folks, is the gospel. So the harvest truly is plentiful. But can I tell you something? If you have a big crop, you've got to have a lot of workers to pick it. Because if there aren't a lot of people, you know, all of us, we're limited in our capacity. You know, some of us can do more than others, but all of us have a limit. There's, we only have a limit of what we're able to do. And there's not one, I don't care how smart you are or how in shape you are or how capable you are, you cannot do it all. But together, we can. So, the last thing is that God's people must produce. And maybe reproduce would be a better way to put it. I want you to notice something that Jesus was, you know, was moved with compassion. He said, pray. But then he did something. Notice what the scripture says. Verse 1, it says, He called the twelve disciples to him and he gave them power over unclean spirits, cast them out. To heal kind of all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. Does that sound kind of familiar to you? Well, it certainly should because that's what Jesus was doing in verse 35 of chapter 9. So the point that I'm making, I think the point that Jesus says is when we ask this question, what are we to do? We're to do what Jesus did. Jesus intends for us in 2017 to win people the same way he won. By preaching the kingdom, the gospel of Christ, and letting Jesus make people 
hold. Again, it's not our power, it's not our strength, but it's our cooperation with the Spirit that allows God to work and do those things. And God's still in the business of doing those things. He can bring healing. He brings physical healing, but most importantly, He brings spiritual healing. And so Jesus says, listen, if you're going to follow after me, that means you have to do what I did. Now, that does not mean, understand this, church, that doesn't mean that we become like many Christs. We're not many Jesuses wandering around. But we are the hands and feet of a living Lord. We're not the Lord. Lord, help us when we forget that, and we are prone to forget that, aren't we? We're prone to forget that it's Jesus that does those things. It's not us. But thankfully, the Lord lets us have a hand in it. The Lord uses us to to take part. And so, Jesus said to his disciples, I give you the authority to do these things. Now, I want to remind you what Jesus said before he left earth, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Remember what he said? He said, Lord, all power has been given to me. Go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. And so just as Jesus took his 12 apostles and said, I give you authority to do these miraculous things, Jesus says to the church, I give you the authority. In other words, I am commissioning you to do these things. Does that mean that we can say, well, let me, I'm just going to go out and heal people? No. It's still God that does the healing, just like it was in the first century. But if God can do it then, he can do it now. And it's, us letting people know by acts of caring and and words of sharing the gospel. Far too many in church, church people, have the idea that all they need to show up, maybe even once in a while. Studies show people are coming to church less and less. And by the way, that's not a good thing. Just because it's what's going on does not make it right or good. And obviously I'm a pastor, so I think it's a very bad thing. I think we probably ought to be more, more in church than what we are. But uh, that's another sermon for another day. But being a Christian does not just mean that we come to church on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Put a, put a dollar in the offering plate. It means that that, that's important, and we need to do that. And the church ought to be in church when the doors are open. But if the only time you let people know and the only time you live for the Lord is on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you're doing it wrong. The old, uh, I can't remember if it's a Geico commercial or a, 
all stay commercial or progressive, but a uh, lady puts pictures on the wall, uh, you remember, and she said, yeah, I'm posting these on my, on my wall. And the lady said, that's not how that works. And her response to that lady is, well, I unfriend you. And her reply, that's not how that works. That's not how any of this works. And we have got so confused about what being a Christian is all about. Our call to discipleship is a call to be transformed into the image of Christ. To look like he looked and to do the things that he did. So what are we to do? We're to do exactly what Jesus did. Did he go to church? You better believe he did. Matthew made sure that he pointed out, look, Jesus went to synagogue. He was a good Jewish boy. But then when he left the synagogue, he healed people. He touched people. He continued to proclaim the message of the kingdom of God. And what a great and wonderful thing that is. And if Jesus did that, we need to do it as well. And so if Jesus was moved with the people with compassion, and by the way, that doesn't just mean we feel pity. We really have compassion, so that we do something about it. We can look and, and see somebody uh, on the street and uh, say, oh, that's bad that their cars broke down, but we just drive right on by and don't do anything about it. Have we really had compassion on that person? Nope. But if we stop and... Offer them a hand, or we, you know, call the the help people, you know, come. We've, we've done at least something. Then maybe we have shown some concern and some compassion. But understand that compassion will always drive us to do something. Just like our relationship with Jesus will always drive us to do something. Faith in Christ is not an inactive faith. It is an act. So what are we to do? What Jesus did. Jesus prayed. Jesus preached. And Jesus produced disciples. He produced changed lives. I tell you, that's what the church is to be about. Just like God changed my life, and I hope he's changed your life, he can change anyone's life if they'll let him. But how will they hear unless somebody tells? Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to examine our hearts today. Lord, this message is not about uh, making us feel guilty, but it's making us take stock and realize that maybe we're not doing exactly what we need to be doing. We need to change course a little bit. Lord, maybe there's some here today, Lord, and they've just been kind of sitting by. Lord, but today you would convict their heart and they would say, you know what, I really need to be serving the Lord. I need to be walking with the Lord on a daily basis, not just a once in a while basis. Maybe today they'd commit to you. Maybe there's one here today that's never trusted you. They don't know the forgiveness of sin and the new life that salvation brings. Would you help them today to reach out to you to accept that free gift just say a simple prayer similar to this Lord I know I'm a sinner 
please forgive me. I know that Jesus paid my sin debt by dying on the cross. And I accept that gift. And I ask him to be the Lord of my life. Lord, maybe there's one here today that's prayed that prayer, but Lord, they, they were honest. They know that they've backed off on it. They're not where they ought to be with the Lord. There's not been any any prayer. There's not been any action on their part. Lord, would you have them today to say, Lord, help me to change it. From this day forward, I'm going to change that. Lord, have your way in my life. Lord, may we surrender everything we are to you. Help us, we pray. Friend, let's stand together and we'll sing this hymn.